first song. The first song is called The Same God. And it's just been echoing in my spirit this morning that there's people in here that just have to just have to say it. He's the same God. Praise you, Jesus. I want you to think of your situation that you the, the individuals that this might be. It might be all of you for all I know, but the situation that's going on in your life, and I just want you to say he's the same God. He's the same God. Then that third song just now, it's talking about the spirit of wisdom. There's a spirit of wisdom in just understanding that he's the same God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. He's the same God, guys. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's done it once, he'll do it again. If he's done it for your neighbor, he'll do it for you. started praying last night I finished my notes up at about midnight last night I started praying and I said what do you want what do you want done this morning God what do you want said and instantly I got this vision of a yellow horse and then it transformed into the night in chess started moving around the chessboard and I don't know who it is for this morning but I believe there's somebody in here that has a situation that is very strategically being moved through because I don't know if you know all of you know about chess but it is like I love chess because it takes thought like you have it's very strategic you have to set things up it has to be in order you have to move this way to move that way you you move over here to get this and i believe that god and i looked up i was like what's the yellow horse well yellow is a is also a symbol of the holy spirit like i can't remember the scripture but the dove's wings were yellow and so i believe what god is saying is is that through your situation the Holy Spirit is going to be moving and strategically placing you and you need to be leaning on Him and trusting in Him through that situation I also believe that God so as I'm sitting there seeing this vision of the chessboard in my mind, money starts falling on top of it and I believe that you have been sitting there worried about how the money is going to be provided and he says, I got your provisions for you. Instantly it goes into a second second vision. And I seen a boy coming out of a city. And he had four drums in front of him, and he's playing them. It, it had a it was one of the drum sets coming around the neck. And he's playing the drums. I believe what God told me about this one. It could be two separate or it could be together. But I believe what he said about this one is there's somebody in here that was enslaved. And and they're coming out playing the drums. And they're going to make a noise. And it's going to be a heavenly noise coming out. All right? And I don't know if you've left the city to come here because you were getting out of bondage. 
you're, you're leaving something or you're getting ready to go. But I believe he's saying, I, I'm moving you or I have moved you. Does that resonate with anybody in here? Raise your hand if it does. Okay. And did you guys move here or are you moving? You're moving. You're moving. You moved here. Moved here. Yeah. Raise your hands up. So let's just pray real quick over these people. So Father, raise your hands up. So anybody that, that I that was just referring to, raise your hand up and then look around. If somebody has their hand raised, reach out your hand to them. And so, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Father. And, Father, we thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit being ever so present in our lives. We thank you, Father, for your love and compassion for us that you would be so involved in the every every detail. That you would move us strategically. That there isn't one footstep that you want misplaced. And we thank you for that, Father. Father, we pray that as the people have moved here, that you just comfort them, that they feel welcome, that they feel at home, Father. That you set them up in the way to prosper. As your word says that you have you have plans for them to prosper, not to harm them. And I praise you for it, Father. And the people that are moving, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you move them swiftly with, I just see the eagle's wings. That you just move like with them eagles. And that, the, that you're, they're protected, Father God. That your angels are going before them, clearing the pathways. Jobs are set up, Father God. The people are set up. The people that they could sharpen iron with, Father, are already set up. That a church is set up for them already. That they're not running from something that you're, that, that you're moving them. And that when they walk into those cities, that those drums, the heavenly sound will be sounded, Father. I pray for favor over them, Father God, that that they'll have favor with man and with you, Father. That when they step into the city, that when they step into the stores, that they would find favor with the people in there. And we just give you all the glory and praise for it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right. Well, turn around, tell somebody hello. Give the worship band a hand clap. Thank you, guys. No, that's not. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? All right. So if you all don't know me, I think most should, but if you don't, I'm C.W. Wagley. Um, I've been coming to church here for um, 19 straight years, um, and I was here a little bit before that, kind of when I was still wild trying to find my ways. So it probably add up to close to 20 that I've known pastors and Rhett and Riata. Um, also, my beautiful bride is the worship leader. So um, I, I'm the one who found favor. So sorry, man. No, just kidding. Um, anyways, I want to thank pastors for giving me this opportunity to minister this morning, for trusting me. They uh, go through great depths of, of 
of prayer and, and everything as far as who they, they care about you guys a lot and they they don't uh, take this lightly so it's an honor to be here in the pulpit uh pastor darren is in california uh we want to welcome our uh online church kingdom ranch Min- uh, ministries right uh in merced california so welcome um if they're watching and pastor thank you um but anyways uh thank you guys for trusting me uh, I hope that uh, this word, this word, like, I always sit down, it's all in me, and like I try organizing it, and I have to flop stuff back and forth, so we just pray in the name of Jesus that this thing comes out the way that it's supposed to, amen? Yeah. Alright, um, let's go ahead and pray real quick before I get going here. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we just thank you for who you are and everything that you do, and we welcome you to do whatever you want here this morning. Father, we welcome you to interrupt this service. This service is yours. We just submit everything to you. Holy Spirit, just flow and do what you do. I pray, Father, that there's people touched, that there's miracle signs and wonders as the word is read this morning, that as your word is spoken, Father, that there'd be things happening. I pray that everything that you want done this morning is done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your Bibles or your phone, because I don't think we got it on the uh, TV, huh? Uh, turn to Mark 6. We'll start in verse 7. Boy, I better get to the right place myself, huh? So, at the beginning of this chapter, like... Jesus is in Nazareth and, and he gets rejected, right? Um, oftentimes, like I find myself, I don't know if you guys do it, but I find myself that I read certain bits, like our, how they've put the Bible together now. It's not like that it's done wrong, but like I'm sure like when Paul was writing his letters that he didn't like give it all headers the way that it's in there now. You know what I mean? So like Jesus being rejected, Jesus walking on water, all that stuff. It was a full thing like that was written. And sometimes I find myself that I take this little bit and I'm like, that's it. This little bit, that's it. And I run with those little things. And over this last month, I've been studying, reading in Mark and this whole chapter just kind of stood out to me um, as I was reading through all the events that happened in this one chapter. So at the beginning here, he gets rejected, and um, and, he, and he says, that, and this is where he says, A prophet is without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, right? And, and so he, that just happens. And then here, starting in verse 7, is when he starts sending out the his or that's the first time in Mark that he sends out the twelve, right? So let's start here in verse seven. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, 
shake, shake off the dust under your feet, and as a testimony against them, assure, or shake off, I messed that up, sorry, dust under your feet as a testimony against them, assuredly, I say to you, it will be, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for this, that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So Jesus gets rejected. Then he sends out the 12. And these 12 disciples, they go out and they're, they're doing what he, like it's happening, right? Like the Holy Spirit like is like flowing through them. They're, be, they're healing people and all this stuff. And um, they... So they're seeing things happen, miracle signs and wonders. And then we're going to skip up here to verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed and deserted to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. So they're even talking to Jesus about all these things that's happening. They're like, man, God, like you sent us out. You said to do this and it is happening. Like this is it. This is happening. This is happening. This demon got cast out. We healed this person. We healed this disease like da, 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 da. All this is happening. And he said, Come with me. Let's go away into a deserted place, right? So they depart. Oh, I already read that part. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus went. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was not far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, or when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in the ranks in hundreds and, and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves, And the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten, who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So as I'm reading this chapter, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, all right, so the disciples went, they're laying hands on sick, they're, all this stuff is happening, the miracles, blah, blah, blah. Then they got this multitude of people coming, wanting 
just wanting to be with them, wanting to be, there could have been people needing healed and all this stuff, right? They're hungry. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we're going to feed them, right? And they're questioning how they're going to do this. And so Jesus tells them, hey, here's a loaf of bread, you know, or, you know, how many you got? Get, and then they divided it. So I got a loaf of bread and I got some fish right here, all right? And, and so in my mind, like this whole picture was painted and I'm like, all right, so because I can relate here because I've seen healings, right? How many people seen healings? Yeah. Seen miracles and stuff like that. But like to feed 5,000 is something I hadn't seen before. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, like the disciples questioned it, but like on the same token, I could be there too, right? So they're sitting there. And they're passing it out. And my mind is just wandering. They're like, I'm like, at what point, you know, you're, you're just kind of cruising along here. You're like, Hey, you know, one, there's 5,000 people. I mean, we're talking, this ain't in 2023 y'all. They don't have microphones or anything like that saying, Hey, sit down in groups of 50. So they're organizing 5,000 people. So they get them all sat down and then they're all handing out this bread and they're saying, hey, here, here. At what point did it change to this? Hey, we started out with just a few loaves and a few fish. That there is Jesus. That there, I'm I'm, I'm serious, I'm serious. Like, that is our Savior, you know? And, um, man. First got this wrapped up. Yeah. Here. Here, this is this is for you. <laughs> but this is the Lord, I'm telling you right now, y'all. Like, at what point was it one hundred? Was it at a hundred? Was it <laughs> come on? <laughs> And they're just passing this bread out. Was it at 200? They're like, hey, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He is multiplying. He's multiplying. 5,000 miracles, y'all. Because 5,000 people were fed. At what point do they start going like this? They're like, holy smokes, this is happening. At what point? So they're sitting there and just, ah. And just, they gather everything up, and I mean, I'd be gathering, and they're like, and Jesus would be like, how many you got left? He'd be like, I'd be like, uh, uh, I think, I think 12. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because I'd be in so much awe. I mean, like, he, they were literally walking with the Savior. Right? Sorry, I gotta, do you need a, <laughs> I don't want my Bible smelling fishy, you know what I mean? But they're sitting there and they're just, I would, my mind is like, they gotta be in awe at some point of this. They just can't be sitting there and be like, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, he's multiplying them. He's, we got enough. Let's move on here to verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, 
he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. I'm sitting there like, didn't you get it? Didn't you, the 5,000? Didn't you get it in the first, first 200? Because then they, when this happened, it says that the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. I would have already been that, that state, guys. I would like to have thought, though, right? But then the scripture where it says, For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. See, in Strong's concordance, the word hardened is... I should have listened to this again. I I was even listening to how to say it. Paraso? Paras. Yeah, we'll go with something like that. <laughs> a kind of stone to petrify, to indurate, render stupid or callous, blind, hardened. I thought it was interesting that it's talked about to petrify. To me, petrify is dead. We don't want a dead heart. See, in the King James Version, oftentimes King James Version, that's the these and thous and all that stuff. It's a lot harder to read. But in this particular scripture, it said, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So they didn't even consider the miracles. See, I... Man, what is that? Um, look like I got leprosy. I need somebody to pray for leprosy over here. <laughs> Got stuff flaking off of me. Hey, I'm not joking. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably scales, huh? Scales. But, sorry. Uh, rabbit trail. Woo um, Where was I even at? Oh. So, I've, I've seen, like, hardened hearts, like, how it blinds people of, like, seeing things and understanding things. See, back in uh, March, I believe it was March, of 2019, our church could have been rocked very hard. We had little Baylor Norton run out in the parking lot, and he got he got run over by a big welding truck, big heavy truck. I mean, it wasn't like a, a small vehicle by no means. And I was actually working. Uh, Matt Baylor's dad, uh, I was working on his job that Sunday 
and and Kirsty called and and told me about it, and instantly I left work and um, so I didn't actually get to see it, but the people that did was all in the same line of what happened and the way it looked. And the man that pulled him out from underneath the truck, they actually had to, if I remember correctly, they had to back back off of him, correct? So like the truck stopped and they had back off of him. And the man that pulled him out said that his arm was zigzagging. Like there was no question. Like they didn't know what else had happened, like what else was damaged, but there's no question about the arm being broken. They take him to the hospital. They get in there and, and like running all the tests, taking x-rays, all the, you know, all the scans and all that stuff. And Matt said he's in there praying next to his boy and the doctor comes in and says, we got to look at this again. And they had that, if I remember correctly, they had the hand wrapped up and, and they start unwrapping it and, and Matt's like, why? What's wrong? And he's like, the x-ray shows no broken bones. Miracle. Absolute miracle. Here's, here's where I've seen the heart and heart though. We're, we're discussing it. Kirsty's talking to some people about it. Telling the testimony of it. And I don't even, I want to leave, I don't want to leave this out. Pastor Lynette had a call from a nurse that even said, there's no questions that arm was broke. I want you to let, I want to let you know your church seen a miracle today. Amen. So even medical people are saying it, right? And then we're telling the testimony and tell it just like I just said it. And an individual says, yeah, we're lucky that kids bones are so flexible. Heart and heart. There's a hardness of heart that don't allow you to see the miracles. See, Nick Ford was diagnosed in 29, 2020, November 2020 with cancer. A lot, I don't know, I, I asked him if I could share this and I wanted to make sure that the whole story was like I understood everything right and remembered it right but uh, he was getting ready to go to Texas to go to the cancer hospital down there and Katie had a dream of a lightning bolt shooting through Nick and angels telling her that her husband would be healed when the lightning bolt went through him, the tumor fell off. Seven days later, they're in Texas and he's cancer free. Literally. No cancer was found. And this is where I don't know how many of you guys know this. And a lot of you guys might have heard Nick talk or heard the testimony of it. But like Nick went like went through the chemo. Like he went, he continued on through a process of chemo. And a lot of people look at that and they're like, yeah, he went through chemo and chemo healed him. Now I tell you right now that Jesus healed him in the first seven days. But we want to always turn and give 
give gratitude for the technology. I mean, I'm not knocking, I'm not ta- knocking all medical, I don't believe, I don't believe in all medical things, okay? I'll just say that much right now. And if you wanna, you, you wanna disagree with me, you can. But, I mean, I've been disagreed with a lot. But, anyways. <laughs> but there are great things in our medical industry. I mean, we're, we're like, uh, 3D printing, like, internal organs over in Israel right now. You know what I mean? So, I'm not knocking everything that medical does, but we always want to give gratitude there. What happened? Seven days later, he's healed. That's Jesus, y'all. But see, heart and hearts will look at that and be like, oh, he went through the, he went through chemo. Chemo healed him. That's right. They told me last night, I didn't know this part. Because we're pretty close with them, like, Kirsty and Katie's, like, sisters. But, but they told me last night, one of the reasons why they went through the extra stuff is because they were running tests on him to use the same type, because the type of cancer he had was rare in adults, but it's, like, more common in kids. So they were run, wanting to run this test to see if they could use it for kids. And Nick Ford steps up with his, uh, with his faith and says, I'll be your huckleberry. Yeah. He says, I'm healed, but I'll be your huckleberry. Nick Ford, your faith is admirable, bud. To be willing to go through chemo for, for kids when you already knew you was healed. See, heart and hearts, y'all, can, can just completely derail us. We can start looking. I think about this all the time. We pray and, and we pray for something and like something could be bad, like, and, and then they get to the doctor or whatever and it's not, not what we thought it was, right? And we're like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. It wasn't that. What, what, what happens if we get to heaven and it's like 90% of the things that we thought it was, it was. But Jesus healed it. But our heart and hearts always went and looked and said, Ooh, I'm glad it wasn't. Ooh, medical, medical took care of that. Let's go to one more scripture about this heart and heart. Let's go to, I'm sorry, I didn't even tell you where it was. Read my mind. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It's Mark 8. We're staying here in Mark, at least that's close, huh? So once again, at the beginning of Mark 8, the same thing happened. They, they fed 4,000. Jesus provided enough to feed 4,000. So it happens again, right? And then the Pharisees are seeking a sign. They're wanting, they're wanting some sign from heaven. It's like, you ain't seen it yet, you're missing it. You know what I mean? Let's start here in verse 13. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? 
Is your heart still hardened? Have your eyes, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? See, he's, he warns them about, he's, he's talking about the, like leaven and he warns them against the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Matthew 16, 6 is the same story. But in that commentary, in the New Spirit field, this thing stood out to me. It says, Leaven symbolizes the false doctrine of the religious leaders. The Pharisees had a strong commitment to the law as interpreted by tradition of the elders. They would they were strong ritualists and were legalistic. So they were the types that, like, stuck to the rituals. I mean... Like if the elders of the church said to do this, they stuck to it. They knew the word. They knew this stuff. And they were very uh, legalistic with it. Right? Jesus says that's 11. The Sadducees came from leading social families and were rationalists and materialists. They rejected the tradition of the elders and denied the supernatural including the possibility of a bodily resurrection. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are best known for their mutual hostility. Something that stood out there to me, well, one, they rejected the supernatural. So all of these miracles and stuff like that, their hearts are hardened. They, they can't see them because they reject them. They say, it's not possible. It was the medical field that did it. It's science. Science proves it. I love the fact that more and more scientists are trying to prove the Bible wrong. I love it. Because the fact is, is that more and more scientists are starting to convert to Christianity because they're saying we, the, the only way it can be is, is the way the Bible says it. And then the other thing that stood out with me about the Sadducees is that they were the... How's oops? How's the uh, leading social families? They had they had reputations, man. I mean, they didn't want to let it down. Like they didn't want to they didn't want to believe in something and then for them to for their other social peers to look at them and be like, "You're believing in that crap? You actually believe that five thousand people were just fed?" You actually believe that leprosy was just healed, that that person laying out there uh, by the gate was healed? You, you actually believe that stuff? You actually believe that little Baylor's arm like was healed and that it wasn't just flexible and that that truck didn't crush it? Come on now, like... So they don't want that reputation gone. They don't want to lose that social standard. See, I believe that God is saying that he, he'll give you your reputation. 
He'll give you the reputation. You ain't got to try clinging to one. See, the big thing, though, about these two stories that stuck out to me is they went out, they was doing the miracles. They seen the 5,000. They seen the 4,000 fed. But when Jesus was walking on water, the winds picked up against them and they were struggling in their boat. The disciples were struggling. Then when they're in Mark 8, they're all worried because they only brought one loaf. They didn't think that the same God would be able to provide food for the twelve. Because they, he must have run out of miracles. He must have run, run out of that juice that he had. You know what I'm saying? Like he must have run out of that gold dust that, that made 5,000 fed, you know, that fed 5,000 to 4,000 must not be able to handle 12. See, the fact was is that the disciples struggled with a hardened heart to see that the miraculous could happen in their own life. They couldn't believe that the same things that they were seeing could happen to them. They're like, oh, you're sick? Let me lay hands on you. Ooh, I'm sick? Oh, man. They didn't have the same faith as Nick that said, I'll be your huckleberry. I'm healed in the name of Jesus, but I'll go ahead and take on that chemo. I'll put that poison in my body. Because I know what the word says. I know the call on my life. I know that God has started a good work in me and it it won't end until it's finished. And it ain't my time to go. Hardened heart, guys. A hardened heart will blind us from those things. Blind us from seeing the miracles as the Sadducees did. They couldn't see the miracles even happen. Just like the gentleman that said, oh, the flexible bones and the children. Heart and heart. But on the same token, we could be a church right here that are seeing miracle signs and wonders happening. I mean, every single one of you guys could leave here today and go and start praying. Every one of you that got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you can do this. So you guys could leave here today and go and start praying for people on the streets and, and you'll start seeing miracles happening and happening and happening. But if you have a hardened heart, when the trials, when the waves get big against you and you start struggling in your boat of life, in your own life, you're going to fear because of a hardened heart. We have to get rid of the hardened heart. We have to say, God, reveal the hard heart to me. Sometimes when pastors ask me to minister up here, I'm like, yes. But then other times I'm like, oh man, God, I know what you're ministering to me. And it's good. Like, because I'm right there with you. Because when I read this scripture, it says, God said, you have hardened your heart. Because you want to, so a lot of you guys know the story. And I don't want to keep, like, every time I get up here, talk about it all the time. Some of you don't. So I'm just going to say it real quick. Kirsty and I, we lost the baby in 2018. We had a miracle baby in 2019. Their miracles were happening, right? In 20, August of 2021, we lost another baby. Uh, August of 2022, we lost another baby, okay? 
So as those last two losses that we had, my heart is starting to harden. See, those little losses started putting, putting little rocks in my heart. And I didn't even think I was going to say any of this, but like Nick and I was talking yesterday, he'd come to pick up cash, cash stay the night over there. And we were talking about concrete. And, and he told me that scientists are trying to figure out why our concrete today won't last as long as like the concrete back in Roman times, like how they used to do it. And he said that that like stuff would start breaking and fall apart, like in the Roman stuff, and it would create a dust and then it would like harden again. And see, last night when I was putting my notes together, like Nick just told me that like six hours before this. And last night it was like, see those little rocks, those little hurts, those little trials and everything like that that happened. Puts a little rock in our heart. And then another one comes and they start grinding. And they start making this dust and it starts creating this concrete in us. In our hearts and our hearts just harden up. And, it, and pretty soon it's just, it's just rock hard, cement hard. Nothing can come in, nothing can go out. We have to start going to God and saying, please, God. See, the heart is where the Bible talks about our desires come from. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Right? A heart is where the joy comes from. The joy is. The joy of the Lord is in you. Out of our hearts where we sing songs and, and all that stuff. Out of the joy of our hearts we sing songs. I think is how the scripture goes. We have understanding in our heart. I guess I should be reading these scriptures off to you of where they're all at. Thoughts and reasoning, Genesis 6, 5, Hebrews 4, 12, talks about thoughts and reasoning is in our hearts. See, we always think about they're always in our head. But see, or our minds. But in our hearts, there's thoughts and reasoning. We sit there and we start reasoning of things in our hearts. And those, those rocks start grinding as we're reasoning and creating that dust. But see, faith and belief is also in our hearts. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading to fall away from the living God. See, when our hearts are hard and we start not believing in these things, not not believing in the fullness of the power, because if you're believing in a gospel that doesn't have power and you're believing in the wrong gospel... It's not the, it's not the true gospel. The true gospel has living power. There's Holy Spirit moving. It's alive today. His word is living and true. If you're having troubles with that, like, I just feel, I don't know why I'm stuck right there, but like, if you're having troubles with that, understanding it, like, come and I'll pray with you and we'll start talking. I'll give you my number and we'll start talking every day. Because I love the fact that when people say, can you prove the Bible true? And I'm like, I don't have to because it proves itself. Because as you start reading it and you start saying, God, show me stuff, it just starts happening. Like, oh, you jinxed me. No, you didn't jinx me. You word cursed me. Oh, that sounds a little spiritual curse. Yeah, but that's what the Bible says. It's not a jinx. It's a word curse. Don't, don't word curse me. You reap what you sow. 
There's so many things in the Bible that starts coming true that's just living. It's a living word. Like everything is just flowing. Romans 10.10, For the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Out of our heart one believes. Our faith, our belief, comes out of the heart. But if it's hardened, it's there's no belief. It's blinding us. It's petrified. We start considering those things stupid. We start considering ourselves stupid to even believe that. Is that really true? And then he has to say, because he said it to me, he has to say it again, like he said in Mark 6. Do you remember? Do you remember when I did this? Do you remember when I provided for you here? Do you remember when you was going through this? Yeah, that was me. See, I was like, what what causes the hardened hearts? What causes? I know we we hit some on the on the things about, you know, the rocks and stuff, but but so I started going through stuff and like sin, like and I'm not saying like you mess up, like Sin, like all this will mess up and, and everything like that. Um, don't tell my wife that. She still thinks I'm perfect, but, um, <laughs> but we will, you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the habitual sin will harden you. It'll, it'll make your conscience seared. So like if you're in this sin and you know that God is telling you, you need to give it up, you need to give it up. Why? Because it's going to harden your heart. And there'll come a time that if you don't, he'll turn you over to it and say, if you want your heart hardened like that, go ahead. He gives us free choice. But it's that sin in our life that'll, that'll start hardening us and we'll, and we'll start not believing in the things of the kingdom because it hardens our heart. Pride. Pride will have us a hardened heart. Us men, some of us men, I'm not saying all of us men. I hate when everybody's stereotypic and like we have men's studies and it's always about the same thing. It's like, hey man, like not all of us struggle with the same thing. So I understand that. So I'm not saying like you got pride, but there's a lot of us men that have pride, right? I do. Like I struggle, like I'm like always having to back off and submit myself to God with it because like I want to be the provider for my family. And I, and I'm like, if, at the beginning, I'm like, God just blessed me with this awesome job. And then like, as it goes, I'm like, yeah, I'm the provider. Wait, no, he's the provider, right? We have those things definitely about the macho, like the reputation thing. I'll tell you right now, I had, I struggled heavily with that. And even when I come here, like there's jokes with it and everything like that, like I'll just say it. Like, I had the nickname of, like, the Jesus Mafia, right? When I first come here, because, like, we were... Oh, Sharon. Well, I did stuff in my wild days and, and stuff like that, and I went and I, like, it was, I don't know, what, six months into me coming to church here, and I'm fixing to do something else because I'm fired up mad. 
And so I'm like, I need to shine light on this. So I go over and I confess everything to Darren and Lynette. It's not like a confessional. Like I didn't have to go confess all this stuff, but I wanted just to get it out on the table. And I'm like, I got this set up, this set up, and this set up. And this guy will take care of this, and they won't even know this. And that's how the nickname come up, all right? So, like, like I had this reputation, like, that I could get stuff done, right? And it, I struggled giving it up. Seriously, I struggled. Everybody talks about that I'm always so stern and all this stuff and people scared to come. Don't be scared to come up and talk to me. I love you. I'm serious. Before, I might have, I might have not cared about you. But now, I absolutely love you, but my facial expression still has not changed, alright? So I'm always so stern and all this stuff. And they're like, can you smile? I'm like, I smile on the inside, alright? But anyways, like, that reputation lingers. And it's who you are. Not really. You think that that's who you are. And if you give that up, you ain't going to know who you are. So see, pride will eat you up. Pride will harden your heart. Pride with that hardened heart will keep you from seeing the kingdom of God. Will keep you from seeing the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Cultural beliefs, just like the Sadducees, they'll, they'll blind you. I seriously thought I'd be done at 10.05 this morning. and I'm... Trials and tribulations. They will harden your heart. Deaths and family. Things that you prayed for. Like being looked at. Like you, me and Kirsty, like... Like literally we have had nurses and doctors look at us like we're stupid. Like we're crazy. Why? Because we're praying for our babies to be raised from the dead. Those trials of, of not having your prayers answered. Divorce. Divorce will be, be something where, where like you start hardening yourself to people. Relationships with family, with parents. I know people that didn't want to get married because they didn't want to act the way that, that that they thought their dad did or that their dad did or their mom or this or that they didn't want to be treated that their way that their mom was treated by a man because the man or the husband because the dad I'm getting all tangled up here they don't they didn't want to be treated like how their mom was treated from their dad so they never want to get married because their heart had seen that. Their heart was in the furnace. Their heart was in the trials. Those little rocks were in there just grinding as they were growing up and, and creating that dust. Seeing the, the, the ticket to get, to getting the, uh, heart and heart out is repentance. First you repent. And you're like, repent from what? I did, I, w- I wasn't the one that treated myself the way that he treated me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying repent for accepting the hardened heart and the beliefs that the enemy would throw at you at those times that everybody's going to treat you the same way. That the same way that your ex-spouse treated you is going to be the same way that your future spouse treated you. 
And then the, the next step after the repentance, I feel like God showed me that, you know, in those trials, like we're like a forge, like a, like a forge, like you're forging metal, right? And in those trials, the very first thing that goes in there is our hearts. And our hearts are in those trials. They're like, and, and they are the thing that's getting pounded on, right? Here's the ticket. You remove your heart and insert your faith. You want your faith to be the thing that hardens. Your faith covers up the, the heart. Your faith is going to be the thing that takes the beating, but yet as it's taken the beating, it's going to continue hardening. It's going to continue to solidify things that happen. Because why? Because you're speaking things that are, that will come the way that they're not already seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. You start speaking that. That's not how I see it. That's not how, that's not how this happened. That's not how this, that's not how I was treated. That's not how I was told that marriages are supposed to be. I didn't see this happen. We didn't see three of our babies raised from the dead. It was prophesied over me and Kirsty that we would see babies raised from the dead. After the first one we lost. So we're thinking on the second ones, this is it. I told Kirsty after, after all this, I said, we have to guard our hearts because we're going to see babies raised from the dead. And we have to make sure that we don't have resentment, that we don't have bitterness because when that baby's raised from the dead, that we don't sit there and say, why couldn't it have been ours? That we're able to celebrate the life that happens, that we're able to celebrate with the parents that the baby was raised from the dead. We can't have a hardened heart. We have to get rid of it. We have to put our faith into the furnace. We have to put our faith into activation. You have to move. Faith is a verb. It's not a thing of sitting there and saying, oh, I got faith. Turn with me to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. Starting in verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of, of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And I'm thinking, as I'm reading this, I'm like, can it be? I mean, that's bad enough, right? But the next one, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. See, we can't be a church that denies the power. We can't be a church that, like a Sadducees where our hearts are so hardened that, that we don't, like we, did, we start denying its power. I'm so aggravated with myself because last weekend, I'm, that's one thing if you don't know this about me, like when I'm up here, I'll share whatever. It's on, like everything's on my sleeve, so you'll know where I screw up. Last weekend, we're at, we're up in Grand Lake, and there, here comes this guy hobbling across the playground. God says, go pray for him, and I'm like, will you heal him? And I stand there and watch the guy. I'm so aggravated with myself. 
I don't want to be the type that has a form of godliness here in this church, but deny its power out on a playground in Grand Lake. Because my heart is hardened. Because I got rocks in it. I don't want to be there. Do you? Brett, can you come up? See, guys, we have to come to a place and say, I repent to you, Father. I Take out any hard, any rocks. Take out any unbelief. Take out any hurt. Show me where it is so I can activate the faith. When we activate faith, one of the best ways to do it is start, is find scripture and start speaking those scriptures over that situation. We start activating that faith, going and going and going. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. So, what I want to ask you this morning is, if that, if you know that you deal with a hardened heart, and I'm saying, the first thing I'm saying with a hardened heart as far as just not, more like the Sadducees, just not seeing, not fully believing in the things of, of, of the, of uh, the kingdom. And you want to make an activated faith stand, please stand up. See ya. See ya all over. The next thing I want is if that the second thing that I talked about of of if you're one of the disciples that you're the waves are coming against you in your boat. And you've seen miracles and everything like that has happened. But like you, you're like, I've never seen it happen in my life. If that's you, I want to, I want you to raise your hand up. If you're already standing, raise your hand up. Raise that hand up high. Don't be shy. Raise it up. Would you guys be so brave to come up to the front? Because we're going to activate faith. Because there's people standing around you right now that need activation of faith because they stood up and they were believing that like they struggle with the supernatural they struggle, they struggle with seeing things happen I don't know where they're at I don't know what they're if they're more like the Pharisees where they're, they're having the rituals they know the word and all this stuff or they're just the Sadducees and they, they struggle with the beliefs Everybody that's standing up in the back, I want you guys to come forward and just, you ain't got to lay hands on anybody, but just start laying your, like, put your hands around these people, okay? Come on, don't be shy. Let's activate some faith. We have to move to, to have faith. And these people up here, they're, they're struggling. They're wanting, they're struggling in life. They got things that they need healed. They got things in their life that ain't, they ain't going the way that it should. And this is why it's so important because we got this many people right here in our own church that are struggling, that are, that need the Holy Spirit, that need the things of God to be flowing in their life. But yet I'm sitting there wondering and watching things happen at a playground because it won't happen, like wondering if it's going to happen or not. 
See, we go out in the world and this thing's happened. And how many people are walking past us now every day that need stuff that God is just waiting for all of us to start activating our faith? Say, hey, don't have a hardened heart. Let me flow through you. So, Father, right now, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, we just pray over each and every one of them. Father, that in the name of Jesus, that you would touch them all right where they're at. With whatever whatever's going on in their lives, Father God, that you would show them. That you would reveal yourself. That you would reveal your kingdom to them. In the name of Jesus, Father God, I pray, Father, that every single one of them that struggle with a health issue would be healed in Jesus' name. I pray right now that anybody that's struggling with any any relationships, Father God, that they would just trust in you and that you would just guide them and direct them, Father. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for restoration. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that every single one of them that would that uh, has a need, that you would just fulfill it. That they would be filled just as the 5,000 was. That as they ate, that they were filled. That there was, there was not a single one of them still hungry. That not a single one of them was lacking. That there's not any lack in these people's lives, Father God. Father, I pray over every single one of them that's standing in the back, Father God, around these people, praying that you would start moving and showing them your kingdom. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just, that miracle signs and wonders would start happening in their lives and that it would be undeniable that even through some rocks in their heart that they would start seeing it and as they come forward and start activating that faith and putting their faith in the furnace that all of that would start producing things of the kingdom been doing something with addiction so if you got an addiction and you want you want set free of it come forward come right here if you got an addiction and you want healed of it you want set free see we often when we when we talk about addictions we want set free of them but yet we still like to play with the demons can't set you free from a demon you like to play with that you invite back into your house praise you Jesus so Father we just give you all the glory and honor for everything that was was done this morning Father Father I thank you for restoration I thank you for miracle signs and wonders Father I thank you for everything that you've done here this morning Father, we're just careful to give you all the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.